0: I'm very excited about starting a new series today. The new series is called Bold Prayers. There's many reasons why I'm excited, but one of the reasons why I'm excited is because, well, I would introduce it this way. Hi, my name is Jim. I'm a recovering prayer wimp. I'm thinking about starting PWA, Prayer Wimps Anonymous. And if you're like me, and you're a prayer wimp too, I think you'd find it helpful to be able to express how you would like to pray more boldly. So I, I seriously, I'm really um, excited about this series because the things that I've been studying and learning and growing in is really helping me to set aside wimpy ways, set aside wimpy prayers, those generic, I'm in a rut, pray the same words and say the same things, and I don't really see if it's really coming into happening, and it's like, I'm a prayer wimp. So, I think this will be an exciting series for me, so if you'd like to join me, you're welcome. Love to have you learn also. Do you pray the same prayers? Do you get stuck in a rut? Do you feel like sometimes you don't see answers to prayer that are very bold or very specific? Well, I hope that after this series, you'll begin to see some things change for you as well. Now, today's specific title is increasingly bold prayers. We've got to start from somewhere, and we want increasingly bold prayers. And we're going to take a look at a passage today that we see that progression take place where there's increasingly bold prayers. Our focus today reads this way. Don't focus on how big your prayer is, but how big God is. Sometimes we get hung up on I don't really know how to pray. I don't really know what to say. It's kinda uh, hung up on our prayers, as if it's, you know if I can just learn the right things to say and say the big, right, correct ways, then maybe something will happen. No, 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 no. Prayer is the conversation of a very real relationship, and it's really about focusing on the bigness of God that helps us to become more bold in our prayers. It's not the wording. It's not your eloquence, it's really less about you and more about understanding the bigness of God that'll help you get to that place where you're praying increasingly bold prayer. So I want to start with that for the whole series, so this helps us to understand it's really about getting a hold of God's heart towards us, God's heart towards prayer, and the bigness of God and responsiveness to our prayers. Now, we're gonna be in a large chunk of scripture together. Um, So if you uh, brought your Bible, turn to Acts 4. If you didn't bring your Bible, grab the Bible in the chair in front of you. If you can't quite find a Bible, like if nobody's in the front row, so you're good. Reach around, grab a Bible, turn to page 760. We're gonna be filling in some blanks first before we actually read the passage there. Point number one on your outline, for those of you who like to take notes and fill in blanks, is this. Bold behavior comes from bold belief. Your beliefs affect your behavior. And bold behavior comes from bold belief beliefs. Now, those of you who grabbed that chair Bible, if you don't have a Bible of your own, uh, we gladly give that Bible to you. You can keep it, make it yours, put your name in it. We've got a lot of them that look alike around here, and I uh, hope you were inspired by the section we're going to read today, and we'll read further because you're going to see some answers to these bold prayers continue to unfold if you kept reading on from where we leave off today. Now, we're in Acts 4, Before I start reading, let me set the stage or the setting in history. Jesus was crucified. He risen from the dead. He had already ascended into heaven, but this was shortly thereafter. The church was born. The Spirit of God came down with power, empowering the uh, followers of Jesus, and the book of Acts is often called the Acts of the Apostles. I like to think of it more as the Acts of the Holy Spirit uh, operating through the followers of Jesus that you read about in the book of Acts. And so in chapter three of Acts, uh, Peter and John had gone up to the temple. There was a beggar on the, on the, uh, at the temple gate begging for money and Peter um, said, I don't have money, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he reaches down and pulls the guy up, and as he's being pulled up, he's no longer lame. He goes walking and leaping and praising God, and there's this huge crowd that sees, and they know this guy. They've come and gone, come and gone, come and gone, and given their money, you know, to keep him alive, which was social security in that day and uh, he's begging to stay alive, and in Jewish culture, alms, and helping people that can't work for themselves is, is an act of righteousness, and they're helping him survive, and they know him, they've seen him, they've given to him, and now, they don't have to give to him anymore. He is walking and leaping, and he's miraculously healed, and it just causes a crowd to gather around Peter and John, and then here's what we read. That's the setting, okay? Acts 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So Peter and John have the crowds gathered, captive audience, explain exactly what's taken place, how this guy was healed, preaching a wonderful sermon, you can read about it in Acts 3, and it is a situation for the ones who crucified the the Messiah. It's a situation that they don't like and they're now arresting them they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So immediately after the crucifixion of Jesus, trying to put him out of the picture, This picture, this situation is growing upon the enemy who is trying to stomp it out. It's now a movement of thousands, and they're trying to figure out what to do about it. Uh, Those of you who know exactly where I was, oh, I found it, there. Verse five, the next day the rulers and elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John... Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today by an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Have you noticed a change? Now, if you were here with us last week, last week we focused on some doubting disciples. They were in the locked room. They had just Uh, witnessed the the death of their Messiah, the death of everything they pinned their hopes on. They didn't know Jesus was raised yet. They're afraid for their own lives. Remember how how timid they were, how scared they were? Something has changed, and it's just a few days later, really, a month or so or more, and these guys are now standing toe-to-toe with the very ones that crucified their leader, and saying, You are the ones that crucified him. God raised him from the dead. If you want to know which name we're using and by what authority we've raised this guy, it's by his name. It's like they're not afraid anymore. They are bold. Where did that come from? It came from the boldness of meeting the resurrected Jesus face to face. Man, if our leader can be executed, and raised from the dead, and now we've experienced the power of his spirit, what do we have to fear? And they just lay it out before him. Then they continue. Verse 11. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. They're quoting scripture. And... The enemy (laughs) that's identified, they're identifying the enemy who rejects the, the stone. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So they ask the question, so what authority do you have and by whose name are you, have you healed this guy? They just lay it out there. By the name of Jesus, that's what authority, not only is that the name that gave us the authority to raise him up and cause a miracle to take place, it's the only name by which anybody can be saved. There's boldness here. Bold behavior comes from bold belief. Point number two, God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. I'm gonna see if you're sleeping now. Anybody here ordinary? If you're ordinary, raise your hand. All right, we are all ordinary here, I would think. Pretty run-of-the-mill ordinary cottonwood people and other outlying regions. The Pharisees discover how these guys are extraordinary, but they're puzzled because they're ordinary. I'm going to put on the screen the next verse. We're going to then continue to read on. But here, let's look at the screen together. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled because they recognized who they are. These are the fishermen. These are the nobodies. They speak like they have this boldness of the expert. They speak to our faces like they know better than us. They're ordinary men, unschooled. They were astonished, and then they're trying to make sense of it, and they took note. Ah, these are the guys that were with Jesus. By the way, here's a clear pathway. We're asking ourselves, okay, how can we be more bold in our praying? How can we be more bold in our following? The clear pathway to more bold praying is spend time with Jesus. Out of that intimacy, out of the time you spend in praying, your prayer boldness increases, okay? And out of the relationship, that boldness, others will begin to see and recognize, ah, there's something different about you. Hopefully they'll get to the place where they see, I get it, you literally know Jesus. These guys, I think they recognize them. These are the fishermen. Oh, those guys, they were with them the whole time. They thought they stomped it out by just stomping out the leader and now they're contending with these fishermen and it looks just like what they've seen before. Oh no. What are we going to do with this situation is where they're coming from. All right. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. Verse 13 is what we just read. We're moving on to verse 14. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Now, normally we think, we'll put the fear of God in them. Unfortunately, they already have the fear of God. Listen up. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You'll be the judges. We already have the fear of God. We're listening to God. We're not listening to you. And that's why we're gonna keep talking about Jesus and in Jesus' name. Verse 20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. All right. Now, <clears throat> we're gonna go outside of this text for just a moment. We're gonna pick up one piece, one text out of Hebrews to answer the question, where do people get this kind of boldness? And we're gonna just zero in on the line in Hebrews ten nineteen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, now this boldness is offered to us as well. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Now this is a huge theological statement, so I'm just gonna unpack it a little bit. Um, If you were to read the entire book of Hebrews, it it falls in line with the whole logic and argument, and the logic and argument in, in quick sweeps goes like this. God established a covenant with us. We know about the old covenant. We know about how we had a religion that was based on a temple system, and in order to have a relationship with God, we had to keep going to the temple and receive the grace from God through the sacrificial system at the temple. The temple was set up with different compartments, the center of which was the most holy place and the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was a place that only the high priest could enter into and only with a great deal of fear and trepidation and preparation after the Day of Atonement and all the sacrifices are in place then the high priest as a representative goes in before God's presence and acts as a mediator bringing the sacrificial mediation before God on behalf of the nation. Now, Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire temple system, the entire sacrificial system. They had to be trained as a nation, my sin deserves death, my sin deserves death, my sin deserves death, I'm so glad that God made provision that as long as I believe that and bring death to my lamb that vicariously, by placing my hands on the lamb before the priest and they slit the lamb's throat and then offer it as a sacrifice that that death is adequate because my sin deserves death before a holy God. Jesus shows up on the scene and John the Baptist, who's a prophet, who's been calling the nation back to God, says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, pointing at Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire system. And so when we read this line to ask the question, on what basis can we boldly enter the presence of God and pray? The answer is, it's on the basis of Jesus, His shed blood, His righteousness. Previous to understanding that, perhaps you still pray this way God, I, I don't have much to offer here. Um, I'm just a measly sinner and I, 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 I'm just begging of you. Have mercy on me. Can, can you just do this for me because you're so good? Listen, this is saying, no, you don't need to be that kind of wimp. You don't need to be that apologetic. You can enter in confidently on the basis of Christ's righteousness, not your own, because you have now been united with him at the cross, his life for yours, his death, his been paying for your sin, now linked with him, you can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. This holy of holies of the temple is just a picture of face-to-face interaction with the Almighty. You can enter in through your priest, Jesus. Together you pray. That's why when we are Father in heaven and you end in Jesus' name, not my name, not my merits, not because I'm so great, because he is, and he is shed the blood, and he was perfectly righteous, and he defeated sin, he defeated death, and he is my Lord and Savior, and he stands with me. I can boldly enter into prayer, okay? This is great stuff, especially for a wimp like me, all right? Point number three, what you pray What you pray for reflects what you believe about God. This is huge. What you pray and how you pray says a lot about you, okay? Just to get you thinking, I want you to be thinking about you, not your neighbor. I want you to be thinking about you. I'm going to make some statements and put some statements on the screen for you to see and follow along with me. Here are the statements. If you only pray small prayers, guess what? You lack faith in a big God. There's nothing wrong with praying small prayers, but if you only pray small prayers, you lack faith in a big God. If you rarely pray, you don't really believe God answers prayer. That's why you rarely pray. If you pray only as a last resort, your relationship with God isn't your priority, something else is. It's only when you're in the foxhole or life is really, really bad that finally you turn to God because something else has been your priority all along and finally, you're at the, your wit's end or at your life's end or at some end and you finally turn over to God. Well, that's because you had a different priority than God. That's why you pray that way. If you pray primarily self-centered, kingdom of me prayers, you believe God exists primarily to serve you and your kingdom. Oh, and by the way, Jesus is Lord of Lord, King of Kings, every knee, every tongue, every ruler will bow to him. He is Lord and Master of all things created. He is Lord and Master of all demon powers, all angel powers. He is the pinnacle of all power. So don't ask the King of Kings to serve you and your kingdom when he's calling you to be a disciple in his kingdom. He taught us how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So why are we begging and pleading for him to increase our kingdom, our will, our desire, our wealth, our this, our that? Now, to be honest, I slip into that pattern over and over and over again. I pray about my world, I pray about my kingdom, I pray about my loved ones, I pray about my family, my grandchildren, I pray these prayers all the time but I need to see them in the context of his kingdom, his glory, his honor, not my, and please serve me, God, okay? So what you pray and how you pray says a lot about you. Point number four, how to increase your boldness. That's what I want us to want. I want us to thirst for it. I want us to hunger for it. I want us to aim for increasingly bold prayers, to see God work in increasingly powerful ways, to be excited about the reality of his presence in our life, to see it more and more and more. Any takers? Is that something you'd like to? Okay, that's what we're talking about here. All right, so how to increase your boldness. A on your outline, fill in the blank, and then we'll take a look further in the book of Acts here. Pray together, pray together. We're gonna see that immediately after their release from jail, this is what we read. Acts 4, 23, join me there. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, before we move on, let me just re- reiterate what I'm trying to say here. These are the apostles. If we just read how bold they were, they were incredibly bold, but they had been threatened. And they're now going to increase their boldness. That's why the title this morning is Increasingly Bold Prayers. They're going to increase their boldness and make sure that they steady forward with more boldness instead of shrink back with the threat of their lives. And how do they do it? They do it by joining together with the community, okay? And praying together with the believing community, Let me just ask you, do you have a believing community that you pray your concerns with? Right now, we have a believing community here. I'm I'm not saying that everybody here believes. If you don't believe and you're here, I'm glad you're here. I really am. I'm constantly trying to keep in mind the skeptics that are coming and they want to hear more. Yay. That's how it was with Paul too when he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 14. We're trying to present it in a way where you can consider, all right? But in the believing community, we sit in rows right here. You need a circle. You need a small group. You need a small group that knows you and you know them and when you have a care, you share with them and they're praying with you. So often in my life, I've been praying for something that's a concern of mine and pray and pray and pray. I don't see any progress and I get kind of discouraged. And in my discouragement, my faith gets smaller and smaller and wimpier and wimpier. And then I share it in group in the group, somebody else begins to pray, and as somebody else begins to pray, it's like my wimpiness sort of goes, oh, wait, they're praying too, and I get less wimpy. It's like they're throwing their little chunks of wood into the fire of prayer, and it's like the fire is getting bigger. Oh, and my, my faith is increasing as they're praying with me. Folks, the apostles did this. They needed to pray together, and they were already bold. They wanted to make sure they moved in the right direction. Be on your outline, ask. Ask. Let's take a look at their prayer specifically. And this is their prayer. It's summary, I'm sure, because this was their uh, pretty lengthy prayer meeting. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Now they're quoting scripture in their prayer, which is a great thing to learn how to do more and more. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? That's a quote from David. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, now they're interpreting, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, now they're getting to their prayer. They're getting to the ask. They've set the tone. They see themselves in the middle of God's grand scheme that they've read about in Scripture, and here we are. Okay, since here we are, and they're raging against us, and they're conspiring against us because they conspired against the Lord, this is our request. Verse 29, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's their ask. Now that just is something for me because, hold on, hold on, were they bold before? Absolutely, they were. They were bold toe to toe with the leader saying, it's by the name of Jesus, whom you crucified. They're really bold, they're being threatened with their lives and they're still right bold back. But they're now coming together with the community and saying, we need prayer, because we need our boldness to increase. Because it's gonna get hotter, folks. We need our boldness to increase, and that's their request. And then, that's not the end of their request, see on your outline, pray for miracles. All right, before I read the miracles they pray for, let's pause for a second and talk about us. You need to increase your boldness in prayer, how are you going to do it? Get together with the community of believers, get some people in your life that you get to know, they get to know, you do life together and when you have concerns, pray together. It increases your boldness in prayer. Ask. Ask for more boldness and now ask for some specific stuff. Watch this. Verse 30. This is their prayer. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of Jesus, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. It's like, holy ghost bumps. You know, it's like, this is no coincidence in their mind. They're praying for boldness, and this boldness moves God, and God says, just to know I'm moved, feel this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This boldness catches on to the whole community and this movement explodes. A couple of lines of thought that I want you to see on the screen that I'm gonna read for you. You read along with me. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. If you never ask God for bold, seemingly impossible things, are you not insulting him? Now, don't get me wrong. I pray a lot of small prayers. I ask for his help on things that I am doing so that I can do them. Those are small prayers. There's nothing impossible. I'm just asking for help. I'm asking him to give me help, and then there's nothing impossible about him. God likes it when you include him in the small. Include him in everything. Talk to him about everything. However, what if you're only praying small prayers? Now that's a problem. Pray for big, bold, God-honoring things that require divine intervention. This honors him. Pray for miracles. Don't be afraid to pray for miracles. If he says no, he says no, he's sovereign. If it doesn't come, it doesn't come. But pray big, bold prayers that honor him because this honors your faith in a God who does the impossible. Big and specific. Have you heard this one? The uh, pilot comes on the speaker and he says, I have uh, bad news and I have good news. The bad news is we're lost. The good news is we're making really great time. (laughs) Unfortunately, I kind of have aimless prayers. They're kind of generic and vague. And in a sense, I feel like, well, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. It's like I'm making really good time, but it's not specific. I won't even know if and when it's answered. Just to give you an example, I'm in the habit daily, all the time, praying a prayer like this. God, grant favor and grace and mercy to my children. Grant your favor and grace and mercy to my grandchildren. Allow them to increase in their desires for the things that you desire. Now, all of those are great prayers, but they're very vague, very generic. And if it's happening... I may not even notice. We need to get bold, specific. We're making prayer and making good time, but we actually have a destination that we can see. Oh, we just passed so-and-so. We're we're on target. Oh, I just saw this. We're on target. Pray some specific prayers. That's going to make your prayers even more bold as you go. So did I mention that I'm a recovering prayer wimp? Did I mention that I struggle with P-A-D-D? prayer attention deficit disorder, okay? I do not have the gift of intercession. I have the gift of intermission. I don't have the gift of intercession. It's like, remember that movie, Squirrel? It's like I'm praying, and it's like anything and everything takes my attention away from the prayer. It's like I struggle to stay focused, right? And so some of the things that we're talking about, being bold, being specific, and really going for it it is going to help you. Uh, to get your prayers moving in the right direction. So, some of you, a few of you hate me for the next section. Sorry, I apologize. If you're the kind of person that hated multiple choice questions, bear with me. Here's the multiple choice question that I'm putting before you. Which is it? A, prayer brings our requests to God and asks God to approve our plans by answering our requests. A. B. Prayer brings us to God to help us approve his plans and answer his requests. And did you hate these in school? C, both A and B. So just to have fun, some fun with that, I added D. Wow, I have always hated multiple choice questions. How about E? Both C and D. Ah, Okay, whatever. All right. Now, just to get at these things a little bit more specifically, I'm also gonna do a little... Um, illustration here, uh, not drawing so much as to illustrate a point. So, as a prayer wimp, recovering, I started in my iPhone a to-do list that I just changed it to my big, specific prayer list. That's what I call it. In my list of to-dos, there's family, there's home, there's work, etc. groceries. One of them is big, specific prayers. That's my list. I just made that list. And I literally at one point wrote down in short, short form my big specific prayers. And I put them intentionally in past tense as if they have happened. And I'm praying into them and envisioning that this will happen. So I have a list of these. By the way, one of them has happened. I can't wait for the rest. All right. But to just envision a little bit is what is. How do you view prayer? Is it is it like this? My list, and so you start praying na 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 na, and God na 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 na. But if you're not understanding that, it's visual, okay? And na 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 na, I'm just adding to my list. Na 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 na, God understands our groanings. It's too deep for us to understand, okay? Na 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 na, there's my my prayer list, and then you visualize and you pray this prayer and basically you're asking, uh, God, please sign here, right? This is your prayer and you're saying, okay God, you've asked us to pray anything in your name, this is the time, okay? sign Please, this is my list, please sign here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. And that's how we view our prayer. So that's one way of viewing prayer, right? So we're going to compare these different ways of viewing prayer. There's my list. Please sign here. What if there's God's list? And did you know that Scripture says that Jesus is there interceding for us? And what if he's praying? No, 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 no. And na 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 na, And he is basically praying, Jim, please sign here. So which is it? That's the multiple choice question that I just gave us. How do you view prayer? Guess what? We've got one more space. This is the one that really makes me think. By the way, it's a bummer having so many M's in your name when you're signing. I really don't count, I just wiggle a lot. Okay? What if. When we signed up to be as a disciple of Jesus Christ, He says, "Give me your life. Please sign here." And we say, uh, "For for what? Do you trust me? I gave my life to you, and I am praying for you. You don't even know my list yet. Please sign here." Wow. Is this prayer? To come before God with full submission and full trust. The prayer is already signed. God, I'm not even sure what I'm to pray. And really, isn't all of these together a picture of prayer? We come before God. We're praying in his name. He's praying for us and he's got some specifics. We're still learning them, and yet we're saying, God, I'm holding nothing back. Yeah, you gave me your son, Jesus Christ, fully. I'm in. I'm all in. I submit. What's what's my life gonna look like now? Would you teach me to pray? Would you pray for me? Prayer? is a relationship. It's a relationship of communication where we're filling in the story of our life and God has signed and I have signed and jointly we're coming up with the life that brings glory and honor to God. On the screen is a statement that I want you to take to heart. Who you become is largely determined by how you pray or don't pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. What bold prayers are you going to enter into your script? It's going to take a trust in the God who loved you so much that he sent his son it's going to take a trust to say, God, I'm following right on your heels. God, thank you for praying for me. God, show me how to pray a prayer that honors you. I don't know where my life is going yet, but I've been giving you all my plans. God, teach me to pray. Write the script. Would you pray with me? God, we need you to fill us that we could be bold in the way we pray, bold in the way we follow, that we could see you at work in your kingdom, that the movements that we read about will become the scripts of our lives. We Come to you now. In Jesus' name, and we sign our name too.